0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Today, I'm here with Barney Mannering's, the co-founder of Vega Protocol. So thank you so much for being here, Barney. Thank you for having me. So to get started, I was hoping you could just tell us a little bit about your journey from traditional finance to the blockchain world and how that came into the founding of Vega.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, it sort of came a little bit full circle. Um, I started i guess uh, on my sort of journey uh, as a computer scientist and was very interested in sort of privacy technology encryption um mm-hmm. you know, some of that kind of cypherpunk stuff i guess back in the early 2000s um ended up working in traditional finance designing and building trading and risk systems for things like equities derivatives fx uh so I spent a lot of time with traders and with trading technology mm-hmm. uh building and, and learning about those things and then obviously you had kind of bitcoin and the white paper there then you had sort of which was very interesting and exciting to me and i did a little bit of mining early on and then ethereum was where it really started to like pique my interest because it's suddenly like okay this is not just like a kind of inert coin that i can pass around and hold but it's a layer on which i can build infrastructure and technology that is uh kind of performing some of the functions of institutions and you know having looked at it from the inside and worked with traders and worked with building technology i could see all the inefficiencies the regulatory capture the gatekeeping that went on you know i could see all of that and i saw this as an opportunity um so actually ended up not doing anything on ethereum i sort of looked at it and looked at what traders want and sort of you know traders want really high throughput really low fee all of those things and um obviously ethereum didn't give that so we sort of did this kind of analysis of the entire sort of trade life cycle and everything and decided not to do anything there ended up founding another company and then sort of long story short uh, met my co-founder Ramsey while I was working on that other company started talking to researchers about proof of stake and tendermint and all of the latest developments of like how to do um, you know high performance and new types of blockchain so that really piqued our interest in 2017 particularly and then sort of early 2018 we started forming this plan to build Vega and really the idea was to take all of the things that I know about what traders want and what a good quality professional trading platform needs to be able to do and work out how to put that in a, into a fully decentralized system that is kind of open and permissionless for people to, you know, create markets and innovate and build outside of the kind of gatekeeper traditional institutions, which slow things down and kind of, you know, rent seek and and all of those things. So that was kind of the journey. Um, And then obviously since then we've been building and launching and open sourcing code, uh, for, you know, five years now.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Five years. If you're still around after that, that's pretty good in crypto. So <laughs> that's uh, that's an accomplishment. So how have you balanced, I guess, creating a product for the people who might be in traditional finance with the really hardcore web three folks, um, has some of your background helped you to productize this for the average user? Are you focused more on the web three natives? Um, what 's your strategy in that space? Um, we you know I think the background
1: helps with building something that works, you know like I remember even in centralized exchanges early on in the in the sort of days of early centralized derivatives on things like OKX and all of those different exchanges i can 't remember which exchange it was, but there was one that had done a really naive like margin and liquidation algorithm, and effectively there was a big move, and a whole bunch of people just got like lost socialization because the system wasn 't designed well, so you, know, you sort of saw that stuff happen due to kind of naivety and Lack of experience. So, you know, it certainly meant that we can de- design products that are going to work well and be robust and, uh, you know, give people the outcome they expect from these kind of products. Um, on the other hand, we were sort of solving for replace some subset of like, you know, New York and the city of London with crypto and DeFi. Um, and what surprised us was the size and scale and rise of this kind of like DeGen, Web3 native, whatever movement. And those people want very different things. And you know they're not all just even like super small retail users punting like $100 here and there. Some of them have large amounts of money. Perhaps they got into crypto very early. Some of them are even sort of semi-professional funds, but they still have a quite retail mindset, still think very differently about risk management, about the tools and UX they expect. And that caught us by surprise a little um, in that we weren't really targeting it. But then at a certain point, it was so big, we couldn't ignore it. And we were sort of sat there going, well, we could try this really hard sell of get this stuff into really big traditional institutions and get around all, you know, work out all the regulatory stuff, work out the legal stuff, the audit stuff. Or we could find this like group of people who are already willing to trade on these kind of platforms, but they want a different thing. So probably one and a half to two years ago now, we had pretty much decided we were going to be aiming for some of those users to be the first users of the Vega software. And we started to pivot our thinking in terms of ux and in terms of product features more towards how to give those people what they want and so you know the experience i have and, and everything was very interesting there but there's also a big gap that i have is you know not actually being one of those people and not being super active in those types of trading community um but we have yeah, plenty of really talented team members who are so um yeah that's been okay but yeah it's kind of interesting to see how different that world is despite the fact it's sort of superficially similar to, to other <laughs> trading environments
0: Yep. No, I certainly understand that. I'm certainly part of that world. I am very much the crypto native type. I don't keep money in a bank. I hate traditional finance. And I know a lot of those same people. But I also straddle both because all of my investors in my startups, they're all from traditional finance. They have come from Citadel and places like that. And so you get to see both sides of it. And I think it's tough to build for both sides at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and I
1: think the, the the interesting thing is like I, I very much yeah you know, in terms of where i sit and ideologically and politically i hate the tradfi the organizations and the rigmarole and the way that they sort of work with regulators to kind of keep people out and keep innovation down and keep profits themselves and all of that but what i do think is very important and very for defi is that a lot of what they do is provide a service that makes things happen you know, like you can fund an infrastructure project you can hedge the price of you know fueling your jet or whatever as as an airline and those real world use cases for these things enable a much richer ecosystem of finance and enable something other than just the kind of you know speculative 50x long perps casino (laughs) and i think i'm i sort of want to take the group of people who are in the web3 natives and who you know who are doing those things now and i want to work out how to get them and people like them using DeFi and selling DeFi to the rest of the world as something that can actually eventually do those same jobs and solve for those other use cases. Because I think we'll be much more successful as an industry, and it'll be much more interesting in the future if DeFi is, you know, DeFi and blockchain is actually doing those loans that fund infrastructure projects or used for hedging. So I think, like, you know, I I want to I want the the Web three natives to take over the city. I want them to kick out Citadel and, you know, replace them with smart contracts and replace them with open systems.
0: Yep, I think that's exactly what I would like to see too. And I think, uh, (laughs) you know, our last podcast, we just had someone come on, they're trying to tokenize things like treasuries, they're trying to make it more approachable for corporate entities, and they're verifying identity and doing all the KYC so that they can do those checks. And so there are a lot of people trying to fill in those sort of pieces of the puzzle to get both sides to come together. And I think it'll happen eventually. Uh, and it's just a matter of, you know, the right people coming in with that experience to, you know, the average person like me who loves loves the sort of degen Bitcoin stuff is not the guy who <laughs> goes to the regulators and makes sure that the hedge funds can do everything in the right way. Um, but on the flip side of that, I guess my question, you're coming from, you know, more of a traditional background. How do you differentiate yourself from... A lot of these platforms that have given the industry sort of a bad name. You had all of the people like Celsius, who you know offered what seemed to be really crazy interest rates. And you know, at some level, if they had been smarter about how they structured it, some of it could have worked. But how do we uh, change the perspective in the industry to help people understand that you know you really can decentralize lending if you know you just do have the right right things in place.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the first thing obviously is is decentralized, truly decentralized and you know, publicly auditable protocols are strictly better. I mean, you know, in, if you want to have a centralized financial product, you really want it to be well regulated in a good jurisdiction with strong regulators because you don't know how dodgy and how intelligent the people running it are so you want someone to be asking for a report every day on like their capital <laughs> yeah. you know capital yeah, utilization King everything Islands. like that right <laughs> you know so if you want centralized you actually probably want the regulation because you have no other way to be sure it's not going to be disappear um if you want the way to solve those problems is to not actually deal with the centralized crypto it's actually to insist on decentralization insist on verifiability uh, but also to be honest about where we are like You know, we don't, I think, you know, with terrorists. sometimes you'd hear them talking about this is better than your bank has, all this, you know, you should put your money here instead of a bank, you could, that's much better, it's like a bank account with 20%. And it's kind of like, well, it's not. It's not so many risks it's so early in its journey that even if it wasn't 100% certain it was going to blow up, its probability of blowing up was way more than your bank account. And there was no, you know, financial services compensation scheme or whatever, you know, federal reserve insurance. So, you know, you sort of look at that and say, you shouldn't be saying things like that to your users because, That's dishonest and disingenuous. So we will sort of say, you know, Vega is in alpha. It might be broken. Like, we think it's it's designed to be, you know, transparent and to show you what's happening and to not give us access to any funds and all those things. So it's designed to be a very good actor. But we also have to be good actors in saying it might be designed like that, but it's new and early and not fully audited and evolving fast, and it could be broken. So, like, I think you have to just be... Be honest, be open, be open also about the risks. Like, if you're trading on this thing, you don't want to try and make people slide the leverage slide to 100x for a trade that they intend to keep open for two weeks, right? Like, it's one of those things. If you want to do a very leveraged thing, it's going to be for a short period and with a very specific entry and exit. If you're going to do something and have a, a thesis over multiple weeks, you know, you slide to 100x, you're going to be liquidated regardless of whether you're right about the direction of the coin. So, But then some UIs will encourage you to do those things and will encourage you to take those risks without explaining the risks. And so, again, it's like, I think people should be free to take all the risks they want. But I think the people making the UIs have a sort of responsibility, especially in an open decentralized world where the guardrails are not there and anyone can do anything they want. They have a little bit of a responsibility to say, yeah, this is risky. This is, here's some links to how to understand that risk, you know, to try and help put it in context. And so I think that's probably, you know, if we, and the more we do that and then the more we develop a reputation for robustness and transparency and we build out those, some more of those real, real world use cases, the more people see that crypto can be good and that you know, people can manage their own finances. And this is a, it's like, like the Internet for knowledge. Uh, it does that for the value of finance and that this is a good thing. And I think that's what we've got to show everyone. That it is a good thing
0: yeah I think the point on the u i is huge. You go to like these sites like rollbit and the minimum slider is like twenty x and so you're like that's probably the a reasonable you know leverage <laughs> that's amount conservative, goes, right? <laughs> yeah right exactly and it just goes all the way to a thousand and it's just so easy to just click that slider back and forth and uh they you know push they try to make it harder to do custom amounts and things like that and so I think that's a huge point and I think. When it comes to decentralized, I think it's it's also tough, especially with things like leverage. When you're doing a thousand x leverage trade, the throughput needs to be insanely high <laughs> because if you're not, you know, clicking the button the exact right second, and Ethereum takes you know five minutes to get your trade executed, yeah, I mean, you're exactly. Not in you know, place. Someone
1: someone issues a new NFT, your transaction gets stuck for twelve minutes, and now you're even with low leverage, you great. Yeah, I mean, and this is one of the reasons why we designed Vega as an app chain, like we did. We kind of said, well these things need to be different for trading to be good. And I think the block time on Vega mainnet is like 0.6, 0.7 seconds. It's still not as good as the best centralized exchange, but I've actually used centralized crypto exchanges that take longer to respond to clicking on the deal ticket submit button. Um, Some of the ones, especially (laughs) during like 2017, when they were creaking (laughs) under the demand. I think Poloniex, I seem to remember sometimes just sitting spinning for like 10 seconds. And So we've got to a point where we can give an experience that's very similar to a centralized exchange, and give some of that throughput and give some of those capabilities it's not as good in, in some ways, but obviously it has all those benefits of decentralization uh, so you know yeah. and, and transparency so I think yeah we, we're building something that compared to you know, the ethereums of the world you can actually look at and go, I can see how someone could move from binance to this and use it and trade these markets and get the same sort of experience and, and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, no, that reminds me of when any time there'd be a good Bitcoin pump, Coinbase trading would just completely shut down for like sell orders, (laughs) like buy orders would stay open, sell orders go down. It just was always such a nightmare. Uh, And I will say, I've recently just been playing around with some of the other protocols, I've played around with some of the Solana products. And I will say that's like the only thing I've noticed where the throughput is high enough where like i can be like underwater on something i can sell my nfts on one platform and within like two minutes i can already have funded my other account having swapped it around from seoul from usdc back to seoul into a margin like it's fast enough so it can be done and that's the first time where i played with it and it felt actually like it was a real product that could be built out um, and Yeah, i think and that you know, vega
1: obviously a little more narrow focused like you don't have yep. all these like nft platforms it's just kind of focus on the financial products, but you'll find the same thing, you know, when you try Vega out that actually you can enter a position, do something, go long, whatever, get that, have put a stop loss on the stop loss is stopped out or whatever. Then immediately, you know, in two seconds later, you can be put entering another position in a different direction. Like you have you know, that ability to do those things. And you know, obviously it just opens up much more possibilities and makes it much more like a sort of real trading environment.
0: Yep. So how is, uh how is vega built exactly is it built as a layer two on top of ethereum are you just pulling in you know whatever deposits that users have and converting them to vega to then be traded with um how is that system structured yeah, right now so can built, i come in with um, solar it's Bitcoin? kind of
1: like um it's a proof of state chain uh, it's an app chain um with running on tendermint or comic bft as it's now called God. um completely sort of custom engine running on the chain so it's not sort of running under you know, multiple layers of, like, sort of general purpose chain, it's really optimized, and that means there's things like, for instance, you don't pay any gas at all to place an order. Uh, We have different ways to deal with spam. There's no gas fee to place an order or to delete an order, so you actually only pay when you trade, just like a real exchange. Um, It's then bridged, um, and bridge is not bridge is an interesting term, because usually when you think of a bridge, you think of, like, a separate set of validators and security assumptions. Um, The bridge is sort of built into the Vega chain, so there's only the Vega chain and the Ethereum chain, the Vega validators are the ones who are actually monitoring the Ethereum chain and controlling what goes on in the Ethereum bridge contract. So um, there's a sort of bridge with somewhat better security assumptions than when you have a sort of third third piece of infrastructure doing the bridging. Um and that means that you can send Ethereum ELC twenty assets to the bridge. And uh, they basically just credited into Vega um there's no separate bridge step, it's literally just a deposit um just a deposit from your MetaMask or wherever and it appears in your Vega balance and then um then you can go trade again. Actually, we even released a MetaMask snap recently, so now you can actually use MetaMask as your Vega wallet as well. So you don't even have to download no, no. you know the Vega extension. I mean I, the Vega wallet's got a few extra features and, and things that relate to Vega and trading, so it's kinda of useful if you trade use Vega a lot, but you can actually just get started just with MetaMask now. So uh super nice for really. it.
0: Awesome do you have any plans to integrate like phantom for solana or some of the ordinal stuff for bitcoin uh, as other options? Cause personally, me yeah. I hate ethereum, so I just will not touch it. So if it's metamask, yeah. I'm asking, like, no,
1: no, I mean, I don't like metamask that much either as a, as a UX. Like personally, I, I use other wallets, but, um, it's a super popular onboarding method. So yeah, sure. we've, uh, yeah, kind support it. but, um, in terms of other change, yes, we have plans. They're not super immediate. Um, a lot of the money that is in sort of defined trading is in, you know, stable coins and the LC20. Uh, we have a whole bunch of product upgrades and features. Um, yeah, we just launched perps actually. So perps, awesome. first perps markets will be being created by community members in, in the next few days. So we've just launched perps. We've just launched like extra Oracle integration stuff. Um, we've also launched this feature, which allows community members to kind of create and maintain like things like volume discounts and referral programs. So it's really interesting, like Vega is very decentralized in that on a lot of decks you kind of have this company that's running it like an exchange and setting up like a volume discount or, or whatever. We actually don't do that. We've built the features to do those things. So those features are available on the chain now. The community then decides, hey, we want to give people, you know, we want to give referrals a 15% fee discount, or we want to change that discount. We want to give a volume discount if you do over of trading. So we've now launched those features and the community are now in the process of discussing, like, you know, do we want to have, you know, referrals so that people can be rewarded for referring people to e to Vega, for instance. So um, yeah, so we've got all these features coming out. Uh, The next thing we're working on is like more and more easy market creation, kind of like hybrid AMM liquidity. So we have the order book at the moment. We'll actually have an order book and an AMM on the same market in a hybrid model, which means you can provide liquidity and earn fees uh, without having to actually manage orders. So we've got all these cool features coming and they are sort of probably deemed slightly more important uh, are more valuable for the next phase of vegas kind of adoption than another chain integration so for now it's probably going to be maybe q2 next year maybe something like that that That's... we start thinking about uh maybe targeting another chain uh don't don't uh don't hold your breath for that because it always priorities <laughs> always change. but like sure. it, i mean i'm really keen to do it because i think i wouldn't say i hate Ethereum, but i think it's extremely mm-hmm. limited and i think the future of a successful DeFi world with mass adoption and real world use cases just by technical limitation is not going to be on Ethereum, let alone anything else. Um, so yep. sort of Ethereum is a good way to get started and get into the ecosystem. And I do think we you know, need to branch out to something.
0: Yeah. Something and else. I think I, I mentioned it just because I've noticed, you know, I, there's a lot of competition in Ethereum and, I would say the average user is probably less uh less of a professional but I've been playing a lot in the ordinal space there's a lot of money you know starting to pour in there but just not a lot of good projects I've gotten rugged like three times by guys who are just stealing money and so there's a lot of like bad actors so it's like you get one good actor in there and it's really not that hard to do because there's a lot of demand and a lot of money waiting for someone to just do it right. Um, and I think that's the same for Solana. I spent a while trying to find something decent, uh, just the equivalent of what, what you've got for Solana, there were one or two, but my, the liquidity is like nothing. There's like 10k liquidity kind of thing. So it's like there yeah, are probably the opportunities. And that's what I was gonna liquidity's ask you as a follow up. Yeah, what is how do you convince people to add that liquidity? Is it just a matter of them trusting your brand, getting out there, offering the right incentives.
1: Um, I mean, I think it's a
0: multi-phase thing. I mean, you know, obviously the system's
1: permissionless, anyone can add it. When the system is working well, like if you look at Uniswap now or even Ethereum and ERC-20 tokens and the ability to create tokens, like the narrative that you can create pools on Uniswap or create tokens on Ethereum and like have success with that and maybe, you know, make money or whatever is well established so people who would be thinking about doing that will naturally gravitate towards doing that and some of them will create those pools or whatever the problem we have is that narrative is not yet established so people are not just queuing up to randomly just like create new markets and liquidity <laughs> on vega yeah understand so that, right you know, yeah it, is, it, it makes sense it's new um and it doesn't have a huge amount of trading volume like you know 10 million plus notional a day so it's not nothing but it's not huge um the you know one of the things is like integrations and making it easier so like you know we've had uh, paid a bounty into the um, Hummingbot community and they've built a connector for Hummingbot. And so we're going to be doing a bunch of like stuff with them around like, hey, you guys, Hummingbot guys, you can actually earn some of the rewards, share in the fee revenue, create markets on Vega. You've got a Hummingbot connector now, like this is a place you can go and actually that's, that's an, an interesting thing for you to do. So things like that will be helpful. And then obviously adding these like liquidity pools where you don't need to run like a market making algo you actually can just put the money in a pool so you basically it's more much more like creating a uniswap pool you've got like a form you fill in select an asset oracle from a drop down fill in a few bits of basic stuff and leverage and risk and press a button supply some liquidity and create a market like things like that will make it easier but then also you've just got you know be in the community talking to everyone all the time who might want to create markets and explaining how it works and seeing if they get excited about the protocol and you know early on it's probably people who have a vested interest and people who already Maybe own tokens, and so they also want to see things go well. So they're like more likely to say, "I'm actually already interested in this, so I want to create a market or whatever." So, but it is hard. Like you know, this, these, this stage of launching a product is hard, and it's a lot of, a lot of face to face conversations, a lot of people who get interested and then wander off and lose interest. And but eventually, you know, then as you'll see over time, you will. Know, we'll, I think yeah. You know, now the purpose of launch that's a very popular thing. We have just dated futures before, so now that Perps launched, I think there's a whole bunch of people in the community talking about and thinking about markets they want to go and create now that that tool is available for them. So I think we'll start to see that uptick, and you know, my hope is that sometime around, like you know, maybe Q1 next year, it starts to be obvious that the people who did this early on are starting to you know have a good sort of business case for it. They're starting to make money. They're starting to say hey this has been successful i created this market i've received these rewards it's generating this much fee revenue this much of that's going to me like you see that the incentives on chain are working you see the system is well designed and then the flywheel starts to turn and people start to say hey i could get a bit of that i could create a market and do it so you know it's it's a it's a long road with something like this it's never going to be like build it and they will come click your fingers and suddenly it's huge and there's lots of things you can't do you know we can't promote Markets and trading on Vega. We can kind of say, Hey, you, you with Vega you can create markets. But we can't and wouldn't and are not gonna go, hey, you should trade on Vega, you can make <laughs> money because that would be acting like a financial intermediary for the platform we don't even have actual control over. So we have to be super careful. We have to be about the, the the technology, the platform, the community. But it's it's right to do it that way and it's right to, you know, not overstep those lines and not create the kind of impression that we're kind of in it to make a quick buck, but actually like, you know, continue to plug away at building and building on it over time and demonstrate the commitment to doing it over multiple years and, and I think yeah we'll see that continue to grow.
0: Absolutely. So you guys have been building sort of through this bear market um, and you've been building even before that. So I was just wondering what your experience has been uh, with sort of the ups and downs raising investment. I know you guys have some pretty legitimate investors and backers behind you. So I was wondering if you had a strategy early on. Maybe that's raise money when you know prices are high, make sure we have enough runway to get through the bear market, um, and just what your experience has uh, been raising capital. I mean, you we, know, we raising started capital. raising
1: in the worst bear market. I mean, I think the yeah. bear market twenty eighteen was probably worst. Like. Oh, I remember about the spare market, <laughs> But in 2018, like everything just stopped.
0: Oh, um, yeah. No one knew if it know, was going to We started trying to raise in, like
1: you know, in April 2018, and we didn't close the round until like mid 2019. Like we were pretty much about to die. Uh, Pantera kind of came and offered to lead the round, and once they came in and were leading the round and and, and sort of got their check in, then the round started to fall into place. But even then, it wasn't until like 2019 started to kind of get underway that people started to actually progress with those, you know, yeah. from term sheets to, to signing <laughs> love and everything. To so wait. That was yeah. really tricky. Yeah, so that was tricky. I mean, you know, we one of the reasons we've been building for so long is actually we were raising for so long. So, you know, we were a tiny team, you know, until you'd got that money in the bank in sort of mid to end of 2019, you sort of didn't really have the ability to hire significantly. So, you know, it sort of, you had that situation happen, then, um, you know, we're able to follow that up at the end of 2020 with a kind of strategic round, getting sort of more like institutions that trade in crypto, market makers and others, um, you know, to come on board. Cumberland and Arrington Capital led that round in 2020, uh, which gave us a little bit more sort of you know, dry powder as they like to say, I guess, you know, a little bit of money to to sort of make sure we could do a good job and with testnet, so we end up launching an incentivized test net, uh, incentivizing people to come and basically battle test the system, learning a lot about like, you know, the things that on paper look like a good idea but don't really work very well because they're difficult to manage or the ux isn't right or you didn't think about this so there's a huge amount of like either it's it's kind of funny you make two sort of similar opposite mistakes one mistake you make is there's a complex answer that's clearly right to this but we think we can get away with doing this simple thing instead and then you realize you should have done the complicated thing and then on half the other the other half of the time you think oh this The simple version of this isn't going to work. We've got to do this complicated thing. Mm -hmm. And it turns out the complicated thing doesn't matter. And You could have done the simple thing. And the complicated thing no one understands anyway. So we sort of did both of those a few times and had to sort of tweak the protocol and keep iterating until we were ready uh, finally early this year to launch the uh, main net trading network. We had a mainnet like governance and staking network um, for a year and a bit before that with validators. And that was good, getting, getting the kind of network underway with validators running it while nobody was at risk um that was a very good thing to do and got the validators used to like running the network and everything in place and then yeah this year launched the trading but yeah yeah a lot of lot of ups and downs in terms of like the market and and raising and you know going from sort of one extreme to the other in terms of bear markets and um but i think yeah the, the reality is in a bear market, it's cheaper to hire people, but it's harder to
0: raise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah, I remember the cost of some of those blockchain developers back in the last cycle. I mean, cycle yeah, during, during bull of...
1: markets, you get these people <laughs> like, yeah, hey, do, don't get out of bed for less than some absurd number.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're, you know, raising capital from companies or funds like Pantera, I'm sure they have a lot of other DeFi investments. How do you differentiate yourself um, to them when you're pitching. Um, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things
1: that is important is the team, like, you know, the experience of the team, the people, the TradFi and the crypto and the technology and the startup experience, like, yeah, you know, having a good team, having that experience is very important. And then I think the other thing is like having a differentiated, but very large ambition. You know, we didn't go in and say, we want to build a copycat perps exchange and like take 2% of the market share. We went, went in and said, We want to build a piece of infrastructure that could one day take significant chunks of trading away from the city of London and New York, and it will enable people in their bedroom to code up products that are extremely complicated much more easily than any other blockchain or technology. So it'll provide them with primitives to do that. It'll be performant enough and cheap enough from a fee perspective that you can actually use it for real-world trading, and it'll provide this infrastructure layer that could move real finance on. And you sort of you show them a demo and you say, look, this is where we are. We can do these things. We'll have a you know, Delta One trading platform with perps and futures very soon. And you show them a demo and a UI and then you tell them, this is where we're going. And this is our mission. And we want to like own a pie that's much bigger than all of crypto because we actually care about the real world use case. And you know, the ultimate thing is some people think you're mad. You can't do that. Some people think I don't really care if you can do that. It's not very interesting to me. I don't think it'll pan out that way. And others think, yeah, that is what we want to see happen. We believe it'll happen and we think you as a team have a good chance of doing it. And you know, the reality is a VC investor is probably thinking eight or nine out of ten investments are going to go roughly to zero. So they want the one or two that if they don't go to zero are going to be really impactful. And so, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, and then that's like not a disingenuous thing. We're not doing, sort of doing that as a sales pitch. We're doing that because we went into this going, I used to work in the city and i want to take this business away from the big universal banks uh and yeah, you know that's why we're designing it how we do it and that's that's what we're going after so you know it's not not in any way just a sales pitch but i think having a clear mission like that that does have a big scale and scope is very helpful when you are trying to raise because it is sometimes that scale and scope and that potential that people are looking at
0: yeah i think that's that's great advice um, and I guess conversely, what is that pitch that you know you then take and make to the users who you're now trying to attract? Um, and as a follow up, is that sort of where you're at now, where now you're just really ready to onboard people, or is it more where you're looking for testers and the right people to give you feedback at this point? Yeah, I mean, look,
1: as I said earlier, it's an alpha, and I would not want to tell people that like, you should be doing your like life savings on here. Definitely don't do that. Um, you know, but. We are at a point where we've put something live that has a bunch of features that's kind of at parity or better than a good a good amount of what's available in centralized and decentralized you know, crypto platforms. We want people to tell us if they like it. We want people to try and use it. Like if people are traders and the kind of stuff we've built is interesting to them, we want them to come and give it a go and tell us whether or not they would use it. And if not, why not? Uh, we want to see people on board, not to do huge, huge volumes, but to actually tell us what we need to fix, tell us what we need to improve. You know, we're at that point now where it's like, you've got this MVP that you're slightly embarrassed by and you know it doesn't have a whole bunch of the features that are in your, like, long-term mission. But it's got enough stuff to do some real things that real people, you know, that has a huge amount of billions of dollars of trading daily, notional in things that you could do on Vega. And so now we're at that point, we want people to come and use it, we want to get the feedback, we want them to try creating markets. And we want to start building a community of, like, yeah, you know, market creators, liquidity providers, traders, quants who actually understand what we're building and have big plans to like come and launch stuff on Vega, or like when we introduce more bespoke programmable products, they have plans to create their own products and want to give us feedback on that. So we really want people to come and use it and try it out, um at this stage, yeah.
0: So what are those big features that maybe are not even you know in the pipeline for the next five years that if you could bake this out for the next 10 that you would love to have that you think would really be cool i mean i think that the super cool things i mean you know the probably the
1: biggest most cool thing uh we know how probably to reduce the latency from like 0.7 seconds to like yeah a fifth to a tenth of that and effectively you sort of have um Validators running multiple nodes so that they're all effectively running some nodes that are close to each other, and you pick a sort of subset that are close to each other for each block, so that you can avoid the speed of light going around the world. That's the reason it takes like 0.6 seconds. Citadel parking their follow.
0: servers right next to the <laughs> servers. Yeah, the but search. what you
1: do is you have you have servers you have servers Everywhere. next to each other, but in multiple places. So yep. that like, <laughs> actually, you know, you, you you never have a censorship issue, but you can have each block be produced by a sort of local set and then validated by the rest of the networks a little behind it, but It just allows you to reduce the latency further. And so there's that sort of flocking type thing, as we call it, because sort of the the active set of nodes moves around the world like a flock. And then there's like the kind of sharding and scalability story of like, how do you, you know, the nice thing about um, something like Vega compared to a complete general purpose chain is like the the engine executing market A and the engine executing market B don't need to talk to each other. So they can actually run on different machines and you don't need to worry about the latency of them talking to each other because they're not going to. So there is a pretty clear path to like pretty close to unlimited horizontal scalability, many thousands of markets and still the same performance. Getting a system which actually uh, implements that path in a completely transparent way to the user and implements those latest improvements so you get this like mega performance uplift even from where we are. That's like one of those super cool features that's kind of a research thing we know we could do, but we probably need at least a few tens more millions in the bank. Uh, and a research, a little research team dedicated to it and, you know, some level of success with the first and second version of the protocol before we even start. So those are, like, the really cool things. More chain integrations so that you can, like, you know, not only do things with, like, you know, with Solana or Avalanche or Polkadot or Cosmos or whatever, but also build build contracts on Vega that in, that combine together things on other networks, things on Vega. Yes, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of, like, customizability and programmability stuff that would be very cool to do. Um so there's a lot of those kind of features and the really far out ones. The uh, the ones that are coming up a little sooner are things like allowing people to completely custom program their own derivative products and by basically defining the cash flows and then have those products run on Vega. Like, so things like that will probably come next year uh, and the sort of SDK and the developer community around building really interesting bespoke products and markets will come next year. But uh, yeah, those kind of big performance improvements of turning Vega into this really sort of unstoppable, very performant global infrastructure is the uh the, the further out bit i think
0: absolutely and that leads perfectly into my last question for you which is you, say, you said it's global infrastructure. I know some of the product features are not available in the US. I'm not sure if any of them are. So I was just wondering who your target markets are out the gate um, and there how is you strategize? There's no restriction
1: on using Vega in the US. Um, oh, there's not. We. Because I got we, a VPN the, the websites that we host, yeah, the websites that we host, we block in the US because we, we, we think that there are risks around that. The network itself is run by validators who are not us. As far as i know none of them block us and the trading front end itself is actually on ipfs um
0: got it cool. get
1: there like i think it's i think Vegaprotocol.eth.limo it's actually a eth domain run by a bunch of community members with a multi-sig so that we don't even control the domain but if you go to vagaprotocol.eth or.eth.limo uh you'll actually get uh the front end from ipfs and you can interact with the network so i mean I'm not telling you you should evade whatever rules the US has in place. The reason we actually block our website is because we don't have the resources or like the retained counsel to even understand whether some of the things we do or say or write would be would fall foul of the US regulator. And the US is the one that sort of come extrajudicially after people if they think that you're targeting US citizens. So we kind of said, well, we we don't have the resources to work out where the line is we're doing this stuff with them, we're not actually offering any services, we're not running a website, we're not running the chain. But until we have a better answer for some of these things and the US regulations aren't exactly being forthcoming with the answers for what they even think the rules are half the time. So <laughs> we're kind of just stepping back and saying, well, you can't access the website and stuff here. We want to make it clear that we're not trying to promote this to people in the US. But yeah, as a US person you can access the front end on IPFS, you can access the nodes. The network should work fine. Um we're just not doing anything to promote it there.
0: <laughs> no worries. So are you focused on any markets in particular that you are promoting to? Like I know so many people going to Dubai and there's a lot of people moving, you know, all about to more friendly jurisdictions. Are you targeting those yeah. or are you really just yeah, you know, I mean, whoever and wherever? We're
1: looking at two things. We're looking at where we think we can do like, I mean, yeah, obviously we're not going to go out running around like financial promotion to retail people in a way that's, uh, yeah, unethical or, or not allowed, but like we're looking at places where we can do some level of activity because we have a reasonable amount of confidence what the rules are, but where we've also got good communities. Like some of the biggest traders on Vega right now are in Korea. Uh, so yep. we've been going out to Korea, meeting our community there. We've got validators and investors out there, you know, hash to an investor, harvester validator. They've introduced us to trading groups. So we're starting to meet all these people who are users or potential users of Vega and they're interested in it and they like it. So we ran a really well-attended event there when we actually had like you know, Charles from DYDX and a bunch of other people on a panel at this event we put on. And it's been going really well out there. So we sort of, that works. We keep going back and just kind of build a community there and talk to those users. And yeah, so everywhere where that happens, partly just where those people are, because if they want to talk to us and if they're building a community, we want to make sure we're there for them. Uh, and partly just because, you know, Korea is a big trading place. Um, it's more clear what we can do there. So um, yeah, so yeah, we're, we're we're being smart about where we where we go out on the ground and talk to community members and, and try and build a bigger community. And ultimately, we want Vega to be open and global and run by the validators, and you know it's ultimately open source software, and we want everyone to be able to use it. But the speed at which that becomes possible and where we put our resources in the short term is just you know based a little bit on some of that
0: sure well i think coming on platforms like this is a great step as well just putting a face to the name getting out there talking to people i think that's a huge part of this industry is just the trust you build with the average person and letting them know what you think and why you're doing what you're doing
1: absolutely you yeah, know it's uh it's always a pleasure to come on, on on shows like yours and you know talk about this stuff go into a bit of detail um you yeah, like you say build a connection with the community and the people and your listeners and followers and hopefully people will come and check out what we're building and see if they like it.
0: Absolutely. So where can those people check out what you're building? Um, do you have any social media, et cetera? Yeah, so we are Vega Protocol on Twitter, or X as it's now called, I guess. Um,
1: <laughs> we are on vega.xyz, um, which, as you mentioned, is actually blocked in the U.S. Um, so if you're a U.S. listener, you will not be able to go there. And we're, we have a sort of very active Discord where people talk about everything that's going on, talk about markets, they're launching governance and everything. So you, know, you can check out the discord links from, uh, from, you know, from Twitter or from
0: the website. Yep. And I'll add those all to the episode description for you guys so that you have them. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back soon with a new episode, uh, probably in the next few days. So I appreciate it, Barney, and we'll hopefully have you back to uh, get an update uh, in a little bit.
1: Awesome. I'll be happy to come back uh, maybe sometime next year.
0: That sounds great. Thank you, guys.
1: Cheers.